Alright y'all, welcome back to the pod. Um, today we are going to be doing our first round recap. I know it's kind of hella late, that's okay though. Better late than never. This might be, this might also include the second round preview within it. But I don't I don't know yet, we'll see, we'll see. Um, so the first thing we're going to do before we talk about every individual series is I'm going to go through my picks and see how they panned out. We'll start in the uh, Western Conference. Jazz Grizzlies. I had picked the um Jazz and Fo, Jazz and Four. Sorry to um advance, and they ended up winning in five because Donovan Mitchell was out for Game One. Um, Dylan Brooks went off in Game Three. Like the Grizzlies ha- actually at one point had a really good chance to take the advantage in the series and go up two one. They never ended up doing so. Jazz won in five. wasn't It wasn't as. Uh, competitive as a series as I thought it was going to be. Some of the games were really close, but at the end of the day, like, like you knew the Jazz were going to win this series. It's always it's always hard to watch the 1-8 series, and I actually didn't watch a lot of the series in general outside of games 1 and 3 because I didn't really care. It's like, oh, the Jazz are doing what they're supposed to do. Um, Next up, I had Clips in 6 against the Mavericks. They ended up winning in 7. Um, We're going to talk a lot about this series because... You know, some people are saying that we owe the Clippers an apology. Like, hell we do. We do not owe them an apology, and I'll talk about that. Why? Um, I had Nuggets in seven. They ended up pulling it off in six. Um, Dame had that amazing game five, which was truly a treat to watch. I retweeted Kevin. And we'll talk about the series individually later. Um, and then the Suns ended up winning. I picked the Lakers in six, Suns one in six. I think we all know the reasons behind that. Um, we're going to probably talk about the Lakers Sun series last two, just because of the repercussions of LeBron and what it's going to look like for the future of his career. The Eastern Conference, I had the Sixers in five. They ended up winning in five. Um, I had the Nets in five. They ended up winning in five. I had the Bucks in six. Now this one was interesting because the Bucks just swept the heat. And I know that the Brooklyn series has already started. They're down 2-0 already. But I looked at this Bucks team and I was like, oh, they're for real. Now they're for real. Like, I would love to see this Bucks team come out of the East. They slayed their demons with Miami. They they showed no fear. Giannis showed no fear. Drew Holiday showed an immense impact. And, you know, they're going to be they're going to be the title contender coming out of the East. Especially because I felt, I felt, ah, what's up? Fuck. I keep forgetting that we're going to talk about every series individually. And I, and I start going on tangents within the series. We will talk about these series individually. Damn it. I picked the Knicks in five, the Hawks one in five. So overall, I picked one, two, three, four, five, six. Six out of the eight rounds correctly. Number of games, does it really matter? No. All right, let's talk about individual series. Uh, Sixers-Wizards. I don't give a shit about this series. I don't think anybody gives a shit about this series. The only thing important coming out of this series is Joel Embiid's health. Um, he has a partially torn right meniscus. He's kind of dealing with that. And and it's looking like, in my opinion, the Hawks are going to make a conference finals run. The Hawks stole game one in Philly. Embiid played, and he played really well. He had 40. But I'm, I think we're all... You're In order for the Sixers to win this series, you're banking on the fact that Joel Embiid, an injury-prone player who is already injured, is not going to get injured. That's not going to happen. Joel's going to hit the ground hard. Something's going to happen. 
he's going to get hurt. And obviously, you don't wish injuries upon anybody. It's the worst part of the game. Nobody likes injuries. It's never fun when you can put an asterisk next to a series or a championship because of injuries. But overall, you that's what you're relying on, right? For the Sixers to win this series, they need Joel Embiid there. And I don't think Joel Embiid is going to be there. I don't think he's going to be able to average 40 in this series. And it, it seems like Trae Young don't give a shit if Joel Embiid is there, man. I tweeted out I tweeted out the um what did I tweet? It was something about like like the legend of Trey Young is one I am blessed to see unfold. And that is true. I've come on this podcast, I've slandered the Hawks, I've gone on my Twitter account, I've slandered the Hawks, and I will continue to slander the Hawks. Not because I dislike Trey Young or John Collins or Clint Capella, but because I dislike Hawks fandom. You know, Hawks fans are very they're very Lakers fans-esque where they will overhype their team to a point where I want to punch every single Hawks fan in the world in the face. But that's besides the point. Mainly the takeaways from the Sixers-Wizards series are, well, we had one aggressive Ben game, right? Game five that Joel did not play in. Ben came out and he played really well. Him and Seth Curry ended up sending home the Wizards. And overall, we saw a Ben Simmons that we have seen in the past before and probably may see in the future. I don't know. The Sixers team will be very interesting because if Joel goes down in the second round and he is unable to perform, or he's just unable to perform at the level that he's supposed to perform at in order to win this series, it would be very interesting to see how Daryl Morey approaches this offseason. And now as every team gets eliminated, I'm going to be dropping like three podcasts in the next, either two today or three in the next two days. Depends if this is a joint podcast. I don't know. Probably won't be. Regardless, I'm going to talk about every team as they're eliminated after the rounds end. So I'm going to be talking about the future of the Knicks, the Wizards, the Heat. I already talked about my Celtics, so I'm going to kind of breeze over that. Um, the Lakers, etc. You know, and But the future of the Sixers is one that will be interesting, especially if they lose in the second round of the Sox team, man. Because for this Sixers team to have as much hype as they have had, and as much talent as they have had and not make even the Eastern Conference Finals is really, eh, it's a red flag, man. And you don't want to waste, like Joel Embiid is is going to have a shorter prime than a lot of players just because of how injury prone he is. And it will be interesting to see how that is handled this offseason with Daryl Morey, you know, because do you trade Joel Embiid, the MVP candidate, who happens to be injury prone in favor of Ben Simmons, who has shown flashes of being great. Personally, I don't think I would. I think I'm trading Ben, but are you trading Ben for Dame? Are you trading Ben for anything? Like what, what superstar is available to trade Ben Simmons for? We'll see. That's a different discussion for a different day. Um, next up, we'll talk about the four five matchup. Oh no, we'll go two seven. Let's go in order. Nets Celtics. Um, I said coming into this series that the only thing that could come out of this is Jason Tatum getting injured. And he was dealing with an injury in Game 5, I think. I don't know. The trainers were looking at his foot, which made me a little scared. But this was like... This was this was a Luka-esque situation where if Jason Tatum was having an off night, we were fucked. He had one fifty-point game, which is Jason Tatum, right? I said that in my preview. I said, I'll give, you know... I'll give the Celtics one game where Jason Tatum just goes stupid and drops 50. And he did that, you know, because he's that dude. And it'll be interesting to see how the Celtics team evolves. But 
the Nets had more trouble with us than I think I like to see now. Granted, where we are already in the second round, I'm not really worried anymore of this Nets team. You know, that parody thing isn't really a thing. But at the time, I was very, very skeptical of this Nets team, and I was hopeful for the Bucks. But, I mean, Nets took care of business. What do you want? Kevin Durant was getting cooked, though. That was really fun to watch. Was Kevin Durant get absolutely just chopped up every time down the court on by Tatum. That was really fun to watch. 52 did not play as well as I wanted him to. But, you know, man, I don't really give a shit. This this playoffs means nothing to me. This offseason is what I really care about for the Celtics. Um, First round series, 3-6 matchup, Bucks over Heat. Now, I already kind of talked about the series that that the Bucks sweeping the Heat in the fashion that they did, the way that they did, really made me believe in this Bucks team. It made me believe that, that the Drew Holiday addition was a big thing. It made me believe that the wall defense was going to be a lot more hard to replicate. It was going to be a lot more difficult to, you know, make effective against Giannis. And I guess that all relies on the fact that Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday play well, which has been kind of questionable in the Nets series, but we're not talking about that just yet, later today. Um, overall, this series was kind of boring to watch. I think it was I think it was game one. Game one was super close. Game one went to overtime, and the Bucks pulled it out. And then the Bucks blew them out in game two, and I was like, mm, this series is over. This series is probably over. Because game one, I said this in the podcast, game one was super close because Duncan Robinson played amazing, and Goran Dragic played amazing. Right? They needed them to play amazing in order for this game to be close whatever now another thing that we all talked about last year was Giannis was defense player of the year but he never got the Jimmy Butler matchup or didn't consistently get it and we were all kind of upset about that because it was like oh you're supposed to be the best defensive player in the league why the fuck aren't you guarding the best offensive player on the other team especially when he's killing you every time down the court and Giannis ended up drawing the Jimmy matchup and Jimmy struggled Jimmy did struggle and Jimmy Butler is first of all Jason Tatum is better than Jimmy Butler Jason Tatum in my opinion is now really really nip it on the butt of that top 10 player thing jason tatum might be a top 10 player in this league we had we were having a discussion at my graduation party about jason tatum versus anthony davis and i think it's a possibility that the end of next season jason tatum is better than anthony davis jason tatum had a really good year this year he had a really good year. It was really inconsistent, but at his high points, he was really good. He ended up having a really good playoff run. Jason Tatum averaged 30 points per game in the playoff game against the Nets. And in one of the games, he left in like the middle of the second quarter because he got an eye injury. He had nine points. That's how, like, he had nine points in one of the games and still averaged 30 for the series. Like, Jesus Christ, man. That means he was, because he had 50 too. So that 50, whatever. You can do the math yourself. It means that he was dropping 30 a night. And he was that good. He is. But overall, at the time when I said that Jimmy Butler is better than Jason Tatum, I believed it. And I don't know if I believe it anymore. Obviously, things change, times change. Jimmy really struggled against the Bucks, man. Jimmy really struggled. So did Bam. Bam just wasn't hitting the mid-ranges that he was hitting all season. Just didn't fall. You know, Miami, or not Miami, Milwaukee was like, hey. Yeah, hit those mid-ranges. See if that's fool's gold. Beat us for real. And he wasn't able to do that in the playoffs. So that overall, as a series, was a very weird series because the, the, he kind of laid down. It was just a blowout every almost every game except game one. And 
you don't see a ton of um Jimmy Butler slander anymore because of what he did last year in the bubble and because of that. But he deserves some slander. They're really stupid for not trading for James Harden. I said this back when they didn't do it, and I'll keep saying it. The fact that they kept Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero will never, ever, 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 ever be even close to what James Harden is. Tyler Hero maybe will make one all-star game in his career. Maybe. And because he'll get fan-voted in. Not because he's going to do it out of his own greatness. The Heat are so stupid. The Heat are so stupid. I think it was someone, either Swish or Lowe, made a video that was like, the Heat either need to trade Jimmy Butler or they need to trade Tyler Hero. They need to figure it the fuck out. Because they either need to contend for a championship right now or they need to rebuild around Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero. Figure it out. Figure it out. Um, and then we have the Knicks-Hawks series. Um, probably out of the Eastern Conference, my favorite series. Not because it was close, because none of the Eastern Conference series were close, but simply because of Trey Young. He is that dude. Um, I've said before that it would be really hard to build a championship around Trey Young. I still kind of stand by that. I don't know how difficult it would be in reality. I think it would be... It, it's gone from a hard no to a, a possible maybe. 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 If you told me that the Hawks won't win a title three years from now, I'd be like, you know what? I can see that. But this series was really fun to watch. Obviously, you had the fan shit. But now that the Hawks had won that series, there was the picture. It was all over Twitter of Trae Young just smiling at the MSG crowd, fucking screaming at him, you know? And I said in my um, mid-first round episode, you know, Trae Young walking off the court in MSG saying, see you in the A, see you in the A. It was bold of him. You know, you don't, you, that's, 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 that's bold. And he backed it up. They came back from the A up 3-1. And then Trae Young iced it. Trae Young took a bow at half court. Trae Young spat. He went, oh, you're going to spit on me now? Toy. And hit the garden with some spit. It was, it was truly a treat to watch Trae Young this series. And it was truly a treat to watch him shut New York fans up. You know? That's always fun. As a kid from Boston, I can always appreciate shutting New York fans up. Regardless of whether or not I was rooting for the Knicks in this series, it was entertaining as hell to watch Trey Young. I also kind of... I need to tweet at that guy. I don't know if y'all remember this. I got into beef on Twitter a couple months ago about John Collins being a bad defender. Nah, man. John Collins played a pretty good role in um, defending Julius Randle. Julius Randle struggled, man. Legend of Winning tweeted out. He said, this may be the worst performance I've ever seen from an all-star. And in a, in a playoff series. And I was like, yeah, but I'd probably still go with Siakam in the bubble. Simply because Siakam had, like, higher expectations on him, I think. Because he was an all-star starter, if I'm not mistaken. And um, he was absolutely shut down, you know? But yeah, that, that, that Hawks series was really fun to watch. Yeah. Um, I think overall... The Eastern Conference first round is very boring. Um, outside of really that Hawks Knicks series, and even that Hawks Knicks series wasn't as close as you would like. So overall, it wasn't the the Eastern Conference wasn't as exciting as you would want. But I enjoyed the Hawks Knicks series. I enjoyed Tatum dropping fifty. I enjoyed, you know, at least some competition out of a couple weeks. But overall not good um moving on to the western conference like i said jazz grizzlies i watched games one and three didn't really care 
And uh, it was exciting, though, seeing Dylan Brooks go off. I tweeted out, we need Dark Matter Dylan Brooks ASAP. I think we ended up getting a Galaxy Opal. So, fuck you, 2K, but whatever. Next, we'll talk about Nuggets Blazers, just because I think there are more storylines within Clippers Mavericks, and there are more storylines within Suns Lakers than in the Nuggets series. Um, The main story within the Nuggets series is, what's Dame going to do this offseason, man? Because, Jesus Christ. Put up 55, 55, I think. Something, something close to 55. In Game 5, one of the greatest single-player performances I've ever seen in my lifetime as a basketball fan. Granted, that's what, this is my fifth season, so it's not that long, but Jesus Christ, it was just every shot was going in. I mean, he missed one shot, I think it was at the beginning of overtime, and Austin Rivers, on court, you know, prayed to God, thank you, like, Jesus Christ. Uh, The call, Dame shot it and missed, and the call was, oh, he's human. Like, that is what we're talking about, man. Jesus Christ. Wait, is game two of... It is. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm coming home and watching Hawk Sixers. Let's go. <laughs> but regardless, this this Nuggets series was was interesting because early in the series, I called it. I was like, hey, it's going to come down to the role players. And it kind of did. In this game, I think game six, this is the game where Michael Porter Jr. started off with like 22 points in like the first 15 minutes of gameplay. And then he ended up cooling off. Jokic ended up taking over. And overall, the Nuggets ended up taking this pretty convincingly in Game 6. Game 5 is one of the greatest playoff games I've ever seen in my life. In terms of just stars going back and forth, like hitting shots, it was one of the greatest games I've ever seen in my life. It was one of the most entertaining nights ever. Kevin Durant tweeted out, this is an emotional like experience. And I retweeted that shit. It was beautiful to watch. Um, and... It's going to be interesting what the Trailblazers do. I'll talk about this in my What's Next um, podcast, but it's going to be interesting how this offseason is handled because I said, I've said before that the next superstar that's going to be available might be Damian Lillard. It might be Damian Lillard. Um, We'll talk about Clippers Mavs because there's some people on Twitter. There were some people on the YouTube platform saying that we owe the Clippers an apology. No, the fuck we don't. We don't. We don't owe the Clippers shit. The Clippers dodged the Lakers in order to play the Mavericks. They chose to play the Mavericks. They tanked in order to play the Mavericks, and they tanked pretty hard to do so. Now, it's problematic for me personally because it it's not that it took them seven games to do it. It's the fashion in which they had to do it, right? It's It's the fact that they needed to have Kawhi drop 40 a night, right? They weren't losing these games because they were just, like, missing their threes or whatever, you know? They were not losing these games because they were just getting, like, like Dallas was just hot from three. They were losing these games because they had poor coaching. And, uh, mm, yeah, Paul George. Hold on. Let me go on basketball reference and look at Paul George's stats from this series. Because he was pretty quiet. I didn't hear a lot of Paul George shit from this series. Playoffs. 2021. He averaged... Okay, he averaged 24 points per game. He averaged that on... 46% 46% from the field and 30% from three. Oh, Jesus Christ. 
89% from the line, though, am I right? 52% effective field goal percentage, which is not really good. Wow. Paul George overall in his career has not been as good in playoffs as we thought he was. But overall, he didn't have, like, a Paul George game, right? There wasn't a Paul George game. And overall, I mean, his splits in the playoffs, especially his three-point shooting, I mean, his splits in the playoffs weren't very different from his splits in the regular season, except he was just less efficient, right? At the end of the day, he was just less efficient. And I think Paul George would have caught a lot of slander because Kawhi played amazing. If we look at Kawhi's splits, and I had this discussion at my own grad party about who's the best player in this series, and to me, it is Kawhi Leonard. And Kawhi in this series was just ridiculous. 32 points per game, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, 5 assists, 2 steals, and a block. Now, that's 5 assists for a guy who is not a fucking playmaker at all. He's just not a playmaker. Um... On 61, 42 and a half, and 90 splits. He, bas- he for the most, if he made one more free, he makes one more free throw. Legit, one more free throw. He has 60, 42, 90 splits for this series. This man, Kawhi, was the best player in this series, hands down. Hands down. Like, Jesus Christ, man. He's so good at basketball. But, like, it was the fact that, that Kawhi needed to have two two games where he was like, no, we're not going home. He needed to have two we're not going home performances in order for this Clippers team to win this game. That's what needed to happen. It was Kawhi being Toronto Kawhi, you know? And it, it's it's concerning to me. It's concerning to me. Now, now this, can, this series can go one of two ways. We can look back at this series... When they are lifting the Larry O'Brien trophy and go, this is the series where they grew up. They were down 2-0 and they collected themselves and they came back and tied the series. And then they were down 3-2 and they collected themselves. And they... It's going to be very interesting to see which it is. Whether it was, hey, they grew up or this was a warning sign as to whether or not they're fraudulent. Um, I think the Jazz are going to be an interesting matchup because just like the Mavericks, the Jazz don't really have that one guy that you can just put on Kawhi. But we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how Donovan Mitchell responds to being guarded by Paul George and Kawhi. And and Tyron Liu is a bad coach. He is. This series proved that he's a bad coach because, you know, 10 minutes into game one, he should have made the adjustment to get Zubac off, Zubac off the fucking floor and to stop switching everything. But it took really until game five. That's when they started to, like, halfway, second half of game five is when they really got, they went full into small ball and they fully, you know, stopped switching. You know, interesting, though. This was a very interesting series to see because, I mean, Dorian Finney-Smith even played well in Game 7. But Porzingis is the big story. Jesus Christ. 6 or 12 from the field, 0 for 5 from 3. Oh, my God. If we, let's look at Porzingis' splits for this series. Kristaps, Porzingis... Because he was just disappointing overall, right? Like, we have Kemba Walker on our team. I'm a Celtics fan. We have Kemba Walker on our team. Kristaps Porzingis is still the worst contract in the NBA. Um, so he averaged 13 points, 5 rebounds, and 1 assist. 1 steal and not, not even a block. Kawhi averaged more blocks. Kawhi is 8 inches shorter than this motherfucker and averaged more blocks. He shot 47% from the field at 29.6% from three. 
with an effective field goal percentage of 42.8%. Disgusting. Disgusting. Fukondo Compazzo, I'm pretty sure. At one point in the playoffs, Fukondo Compazzo, who's 5'10 in place for the Nuggets, was averaging more rebounds than Kristaps Porzingis. This man, Kristaps, is the most fraudulent person in NBA history. Eh, I don't know if that's true, but he's extremely fraudulent, and it pisses me off, man. Because he played bad this season. He played bad this season. You know? He did not play good this season. He was disappointing this season. And it doesn't matter. He still somehow underperformed in the playoffs. I don't know. There's that one clip going around Twitter where he gets a steal, pulls up for a transition three, and just absolutely bricks it. And that just perfectly summarizes who Kristaps Porzingis is at this point. He fell in love with the three ball and forgot that he's seven foot three. I've said it before. He's a seven foot three shooting guard. If Kristaps isn't hitting his threes, he's not doing anything for you. And that's what happened in game seven. He wasn't hitting his threes. The series as a whole was very was very weird it was like that's just the best way to describe it it was weird because it was it was Luca being like yeah I'm a top 10 player in this league without a doubt possibly top five I don't know if he's in my top five he's probably six for me but it was that paired with like like we are seeing what LeBron did in Cleveland all over again with Luca in Dallas and unless Mark Cuban smarts smartens up we are eventually going to see Luka Doncic on a super team and I can't wait for that day you know People are looking towards the next two years to see if Dallas will do something. I'm looking four years from now when that Supermax contract, or five years from now, or six years from now, whenever, when that Supermax contract is up and Dallas has done nothing for Luka and he leaves. I can't wait for that day. And he goes and forms a super team in, like, fucking San Antonio for all I know. I don't know. The last series we'll talk about, though, is Suns-Lakers. I think I will end up... I'll go to work today and then I'll come home and make a second-round preview while I'm watching the games. But Suns-Lakers is going to be the second uh, last series we talk about just because of a few things, right? Obviously, you had the Chris Paul injury early on, and I was like, oh, the Lakers are going to win this series. Chris Paul out there, they're going to win this series. Then Anthony Davis got hurt, and Chris Paul got healthy, and I was like, oh, shit, it's over. It's over, it's over, it's over. Because at that point, LeBron was playing on a seven seed. LeBron in that roster is a seven seed in the West. It is. It may have been a four seed in the East, but it's a seven seed in the West. And so he was playing on an actual seven seed. The disappointing part and the part that we're going to talk about mostly is LeBron himself and his performance. I would consider myself a LeBron sexual. I would consider myself someone who really enjoys LeBron and is a big fan of LeBron. I'm, I'm someone who wants LeBron to be the GOAT so that I can tell my children I watch the GOAT play. But I don't know, man. I don't know. Channing Fry went on to some show or some podcast and said that LeBron should retire. And his reasoning behind it was basically, he's he's declining. He is declining, and we are not going to see the same version of LeBron ever again. And he needs to get out before it's too late, right? There's, a, there's an old saying in showbiz that says, you should exit the stage before someone comes up to you and says, hey, you should get off the stage, right? Seinfeld did it. Certain shows have done it. Certain people have done it. Where you, like Jordan, I think is a great example of this if we aren't looking at the Washington years where he retired when he was on top. Peyton Manning did it. It, it. It's a common thing in sports. It's a common thing in showbiz. It's something that that is a great way to end off. End off on top. Don't I mean Kobe ended up retiring on top because he dropped 60 in his last game, but we know those last, you know, 2-3 years of Kobe were not 
what they were. That's because of the Achilles. But regardless, like, the message is still the same then. Retire when you still have something to give, right? Like, D-Wade retired. He probably still had something to give. But he retired. You know, retire when you know your prime is declining. And don't retire when you can't find a job. Basically. And Channing Fry was saying that. Not that LeBron's not going to be able to find a job in two years. He'll be able to find a job. Plenty fine. But he was saying that that we're never going to see that LeBron again. It's clear that the Lakers need a third star to win a championship. LeBron's going to need a super team to win a championship. The only thing I can think of that would make them win a championship right now is Damian Lillard. And there's no way they can get their hands on Damian Lillard. And I don't know if I agree with Channing Fry on that. Because at the end of the day, you don't want to retire with a bad taste in your mouth. And I don't think LeBron would retire with a bad taste in his mouth. It's, it's a weird paradox because last year he played too well. He played way too well to retire. He played way too well to retire. But this year he went out in such a ball of like fart that he played too poorly to retire. You can't end on this note. So he's kind of obligated to play one more season. Granted, this is going to be the longest offseason LeBron's had since he missed the playoffs. Um... It's going to be one of his longest... And he, hey, he missed the playoffs and came and won a championship the next year. So, I'm not trying to say anything. But LeBron has a long offseason is all I'm saying. LeBron's going to hear a lot of doubt, and we're going to see. Um, I'll focus on the Suns a little bit, but overall, just the Lakers... Oh, Jesus Christ. The Lakers need to shake up that roster a lot. Drummond was garbage. Trez was unplayable. Marcus Saul ended up being their best rotational center, and Anthony Davis. I've always said that Anthony Davis will never be the number one option on championship roster because he just doesn't have that mentality. He doesn't have that killer instinct. He doesn't have that number one option on a championship contender thing. He just doesn't. You know, if you look at every champion throughout history, they had that dude. Anthony Davis is not that. Anthony Davis doesn't understand how good he is and it bothers me Anthony Davis doesn't understand that he needs to take over games and it pisses me I hate watching Anthony Davis play I hate it because he could be so good but he's just so not that good he could be Anthony Davis could be a top three player in this league and he's like borderline top 10 for me after this playoff performance I understand he was injured I understand he rushed back but it was just overall disappointing he was getting bitched by DeAndre Hayden and granted DeAndre Hayden is playing really well he held his own last night against Jokic but Jesus Christ man AD you're supposed to be an MVP candidate and you can't get past DeAndre Aiden DeAndre Aiden that's disgusting it's deplorable it's sad and, and Anthony Davis needs to stop being a little bitch and play center but let's talk about the Suns because Chris Paul Devin Booker Mikel Bridges Jay Crowder Jay Crowder and DeAndre Aiden they came out to play they they took this Lakers team and kind of took them behind the woodshed. They kind of took them behind the woodshed. I think it, one, I think it might have been game five was a fucking blowout. They were up like 40. It was crazy. If we look at, let's look at the game logs. Because, yeah, yeah, it was game five. They ended up winning by 30. It was crazy. And it was actually really sad at the end of game six because the Suns clearly won and LeBron just wasn't trying. It was really sad to watch, but... Good for the Suns. They are the team that I want to come out of the West now. They are. I really want the Suns team to come out of the West. 
And I would, like, shit my pants out of pure joy on this podcast if Chris Paul ends up winning a championship this year. I don't think he will. I think it's a, it's a foregone conclusion. The Nets are winning the title. Up 2-0 on the Bucks in a fashion that is crazy. They're winning the title this year. If the Nets don't win the title, if the Nets lose to the Hawks or the Sixers in the next round, if the Nets lose to the Suns in the finals, holy shit. 2011 Mavericks, get the fuck out of the way. Get the fuck. If the Suns win this title, it's the most impressive title in NBA history. It is. No, it is. It is. Because, first of all, coming into the season, I don't think any of us thought the Suns would be the two seed. Second of all, they beat the defending champs in the first round. They beat the MVP in the second round. They beat either the Clippers or the Jazz. Either of them, you can write that narrative for the conference finals. And then they beat the Nets in the finals. Greatest championship of all time. Fuck out of here. But hopefully hopefully the, the Suns do win a championship. The two teams I'm endorsing here on out are the Suns and the Bucks. Um, I'd be totally fine with the Hawks doing more. And I'd be totally fine with the Jazz doing more. And the Nuggets. I want to see the Clippers fail. Um... Simply because I want to see Kawhi leave in free agency. I don't want Kawhi. I don't know why. I don't know why. I just don't want Kawhi with the Clippers. Maybe it's my deep-rooted hatred for Paul George. But I just don't want to see the Clippers have Kawhi anymore. But regardless, um, that'll wrap it up. I will be dropping a second-round discussion. I don't know if I can call it a preview because the second round is in full swing at this point. But, um. You know, talking about the second round development so far later today. If you like this podcast, make sure to like it, share it, um, rate it, tell your economics class about it. I don't know. But thank you for listening. Peace.